Hello, everyone. My name is Xiao Xia Zhang.、Uh, I have been working、um, in Qualcomm on, on multiple cellular technologies, including 3G, 4G, and 5G. And what Qualcomm is doing internally and with our partners definitely making certain that 5G will change the world. My name is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World. Podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. But first, we have a recurring segment where we get to know our guests a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. So, are you ready for those questions, Doctor Zhang?、Uh, yes. Okay. First up, which living person do you most admire?、Uh, yeah, as I work for Qualcomm, so you you probably can imagine that the、uh, the person which I admire most is、uh, Owen Jacob. So actually, I have to give some background how I landed in、um, Qualcomm San Diego. So when I graduated in 2002, that's where all the dot com、uh, is going into the、uh, the bubble is、uh, getting、uh, collapsed, and it was very hard to find a job、uh, coming from the wireless industry. So,、uh, but however, Qualcomm、uh, under the leadership of Erwin Jacob is doing fantastically at that moment under this、uh, economic downside. And that's how I landed in Qualcomm, and I have been ever with Qualcomm ever since. And then the second question, Dr. Zhang, what do you consider your greatest achievement?、Um, I think this is a tricky question, but to be honest, I I think up to this moment, I wouldn't think I have achieved、uh, anything which is very influential, and、uh, I'm still working towards that goal. And then the final question is, where would you most like to live? Uh, yeah, I've been in San Diego for、uh, more than eighteen years, I think by now, and I enjoy living in San Diego. We have great sunshine, and、uh, every day, I mean, you you see, you can go to beach、uh, within the five minutes driving.、Uh, actually, I went to, for example, Hawaii for a conference for vacation, and what I realized is that there's not, I mean, it's not better than San Diego. So, yeah, I would like to stay in San Diego, and that's a favorite place、uh, for me to live. Well, I know you said that、uh, your greatest achievement is still ahead of you, but I do want to talk about NRU, which is a significant achievement for Qualcomm and the wireless community at large. So, just to give our audience a little bit of context,、uh, NRU for five gigahertz and six gigahertz was included in Release 16 standard that was finalized、uh, last week as we're recording this, and I'm excited to talk、uh, through. And get your perspective on how NRU is going to help shape 5G going forward. But first, I wanted to kind of look back at a little bit of the work that Qualcomm has done that's led us up to this point. Just quick background: NRU extends new radio into unlicensed band. You have a non-standalone and a standalone mode. Standalone, you can think of as 5G LAA, and standalone is multi-fire for 5G. But maybe you can tell us a little bit about LTEU and LAA and what that technology allowed operators to do.、Uh, yes, so in、uh, so at Qualcomm Technologies, we have been pioneering、uh, on extending the cellular technologies on unlicensed band operation. So this was actually、uh, motivated by that. Okay, at a certain point, right, you can see that the wireless data de-、uh, demand is getting bigger and bigger. So when I was doing the LTE Race Eight,、uh, that was 2008 timeframe, and the typical usage of phone, people are just using that for、uh, for calling people. 
But nowadays you can see that people are using smartphones for, uh, for video, for watching YouTube, and then uh, all, all, I mean, for video conference, all those things which are having a bigger and bigger data demand. So at a certain point, uh, we realized that, okay, in order to increase the wireless capacity, we need to, uh, we, need, we have two technical areas for us to work on. So one is that how to engage uh, more spectrum. And then clearly there's a big uh, majority of the unlicensed spectrum that's free for people to use. So that's the technical area one. And the other technical area is also we are uh, also bringing the cellular network densification where we deploy more small cells and then we bring the base station much closer to UE. So overall you get more small cells so you can increase the overall network capacity. So by combining those two technologies, and that motivates us to use the unlicensed spectrum where we deploy the, the cellular technology on the unlicensed spectrum to achieve the basically the better spectrum utilization plus the high capacity. So, I mean, with Qualcomm, we have a, a lots of highly dedicated and talented R&D people, and that's how we were able to conceive the idea of LTU-LAA and took it from the early concept to the early, uh, demos and the standardization trials and the final commercial deployments. So that's uh, the overall history of extending unlicensed operation into the, uh, extending the cellular technology into unlicensed band. Yeah, you mentioned the combination of LAA and small cells. We've seen tier one operators in the US and elsewhere uh, roll this out at a, at a very large scale. And for many operators, this was sort of the bridge that got them from LTE to gigabit class LTE. Uh, I wanted to get a little bit understanding uh, of the timing here. LAA was commercially available fairly late in the overall development of LTE, but that's not really the case with NRU for 5G. Here we are relatively early in the lifespan of the, the specification. We have NRU baked in with release 16. Can you give me some context on what that means for operators in the, the near term, particularly as they look to offer these enhanced data rates that the end user would associate with 5G, but uh, might not have the, the spectrum portfolio necessary to do that immediately? Uh, yeah, right. So uh, if you look back, right, in the LTE days, uh, yeah, clearly, as you mentioned, that LTE was uh, standardized. The, the first release, release 8, was standardized in 2008. But then we only introduced the LAA in race 13, which is roughly 2014 and the six years apart. So as, as you can see, when LT was early deployed, I think the user demand was not as high as, uh, as the later days. When you come to 2014 frame, clearly, clearly you can see the trend. There's more data uh, demanding coming in, in the horizon. And that's kind of triggered people saying, okay, let's kind of engage more spectrum. And then the unlicensed spectrum definitely is an option. So, and also the other thing which I want to bring up is that uh, if you look at 5G, right? So 5G is uh, towards the end of 4G or when 5G study item was created. So people already learned uh, lots of uh, things from 4G and actually lots of later 4G features are the become the first release or the first two releases in the 5G. So, uh, looking from 5G, like two years back, I still probably remember that summer, uh, last uh, summer, two years back, we have the release six, uh, 15 uh, finalized uh, and in a plenary which was hosted in San Diego. And then in 16, 
people, uh, we are adding like a lot more vertical use cases, which were uh, in LT days, it took a long time for that to be there. So not only the NRU, and also the V2X that extending the operation to the vehicle uh, uh, applications and also industrial IoT. So you can see that for 5G uh, uh, specification, people kind of learned a lot from the previous LTE days. And then all the, the late ones, in, uh, the features which we'll try to include in, uh, in LTE will become either the first uh, release or the second release features in 5G. And also, I, because myself, I work on both LTE and, and 5G. So towards the, the later LTE days, right, we realized that LTE is not that flexible because there's clearly the demand on including more use cases, more vertical applications. But LTE, uh, if you recall that everything is one millisecond, uh, only until later days, we try to introduce the smaller TPI and also the four millisecond fixed processing timeline. So it's not that flexible. So that's the, uh, the motivation when we design the 5G, we want to take those things into account. So that give people the good motivation seeing that for all the things which we think are, you, uh, are beneficial for the 5G, we want to get that done in the first one or two releases. So NRU is also one of the example. So by allowing the 5G to extend uh, the operation into unlicensed uh, spectrum, even in the first two releases, right? So that allows the operator in case they have uh, spectrum is constrained, so they can engage the unlicensed spectrum by offloading lots of data traffic. And this is especially useful uh, for the hotspot uh, case where, I mean, in campus or in a shopping mall, if you have lots of users and then you can use an unlicensed spectrum to offer a, a big uh, data offloading. And of course, uh, 5G is also very flexible. It actually ex uh, in includes more spectrum on a millimeter wave. So for the operators which has a millimeter wave band, I think they have two choices, either using millimeter wave or using the FR1 unlicensed spectrum to meet a need. But for operators which they don't have a millimeter wave spectrum, uh, the unlicensed spectrum will offer a great choice for them to expand the user experience. So Dr. Zhang, you discussed some of the benefits that NRU can bring to operators, but you also mentioned in there uh, how the 3GPP standard process is getting more closely uh, aligned around 5G for particular verticals and then also the industrial IoT. So we've got these converging technology trends here that all kind of fit under the umbrella of digital transformation for industries. Help me understand how NRU can, can fit into that uh, a little more specifically. Uh, well, yeah. So the NRU actually offers some... Uh, Suppose multiple deployment scenarios. So one, as you already mentioned, one is the license assisted mode, or you can call that anchored mode, where uh, you pair the unlicensed spectrum with uh, anchored channel. That can be either the licensed spectrum or, unli or the shared spectrum, for example, in a CDRS band. So for the, and there's another um, deployment scenario which is supported by NRU in RE16 is a standalone mode where you can deploy uh, your network without the dependency on the license spectrum. So this standalone mode actually offers a great flexibility for the private network owners. So imagine if uh, for the future industry, 
that your factory owner and you you can deploy 5G system and without the need without the dependency to uh, on getting the license spectrum and that offers a great flexibility from my perspective and also uh, in by as I mentioned that 5G includes an industrial T use case right so by allowing the private network to deploy uh, an industrial T in the unlicensed spectrum. So they can leverage what 5G offers for the industrial IoT. So for example, the, UR, uh, the enhanced ultra reliability and the low latency, and that's specified in NR, and also the time synchronization network. Those are the key, yeah, one in lots of industrial applications is one of the key requirements. Basically, it, uh, it makes sure all the nodes within the area, they can uh, act on, on, on a synchronized, synchronized time. So, and uh, all those things are not available in other cellular systems. So this is a, the benefit of allowing the private network owner, they can deploy 5G using the unlicensed spectrum. So without NRU, they would have to uh, either uh, working, uh, I mean, they, it would be very hard for them to deploy 5G uh, by itself. So I compared, uh... NRU standalone mode to multi-fire for 5G. And I, I know Qualcomm did a lot of the, the work that resulted in multi-fire, but we never really saw a lot of commercial uh, deployment of, of multi-fire. Off the top of my head, I can think of some deployments in Japan that use a 1.9 gigahertz band. But help me understand why, why do you think multi-fire didn't really get the, the traction that it perhaps deserved? What do you think will make standalone NRU uh, more appealing to that same set of potential users? Uh, yes, so actually the main benefit of NRU, right, is that it includes a standalone in this, uh, the 3GBP ecosystem. So for Multifier, it's a separate uh, forum, which is not part of the 3GBP specification. So that uh, creates some of the challenges and then the barriers for people to implement uh, multifier and deploy multifier. Uh, so with the 5G as, uh, as including NRU in the ecosystem, so people have more confidence saying that, okay, once I have NRU and also the later features where 5G is going to offer, it's going to be inherently uh, available once you deploy the NRU uh, with a 5G umbrella, but that that uh, flexibility is not there for the multifier. So that was I see that one of the biggest issue uh, with uh, or I see the challenge with multifier. And the other thing which I also want to uh, mention is that uh, the 5G actually it offers uh, better um, flexibility compared to LT. I mean multifier is a LT based uh, a licensed standalone version. So for example, with 5G, we have a much faster turnaround time. So LT, as I mentioned, that uh, the four millisecond processing timeline is the one which is fixed in the LT standard, right? The, but in 5G, there's a, the timeline for UE to turn around is much faster. And that one is more suited for the unlicensed operation because you can uh, re-decode the packet and you send the feedback uh, almost immediately, where compared to LT, things have to wait for four milliseconds. And within the four milliseconds, if there's a gap, and uh, it's possible that other radio access technology nodes could jump in. So, but with NR, with this much faster timeline, so that's more friendly for the unlicensed operation, which is this yet an, also another benefit of the 5, 5G compared to the multi version based standalone mode in the unlicensed band. And there are also other benefits uh, compared to multifier. Uh, for example, 
not only the the timelines or the network or the node can start the transmission at a much finer grid compared to a multiplier where initially everything is in one millisecond grid, right? So you can imagine that if you have one millisecond grid, then the chances of you getting medium is kind of very disparate. But with NRU, all this flexibility on the uh, transmission starting point, so it's, uh, it will be more friendly for you to coexist with other radio access technology without putting yourself at a disadvantage. Well, today we've talked about release 16, and I, I know that that just wrapped up last week, but what's next for, for NRU uh, in terms of uh, the 3GPP uh, study items uh, for inclusion and release 17? I guess the next natural step would be to look at 60 gigahertz. Uh, yes, so actually there are two, uh, two things. Yeah, so one big chunk is the 60 gigahertz. So we want to extend the NR unlicensed operation into 60 gigahertz. So as, as you know that in lots of countries, right, uh, there's a big chunk, chunk of unlicensed spectrum available on the 60 gigahertz band. So in, especially in US, we have from 57 up to 71, the entire 14 gigahertz are unlicensed. And then uh, depending on different countries, maybe a majority part of that is unlicensed, while some of them are still under the discussion. But nevertheless, there's a big chunk of spectrum available for the unlicensed operation. And that's uh, the RE17, we will have first study item, so it's to study the waveform for the uh, 60 gigahertz band. And then we were, uh, after we finish study item, we'll also standardize the entire 60 gigahertz operation under the RE17 timeframe. So the initial target date would be sometime next year, actually uh, the first quarter next year, but due, I mean, this is due to the coronavirus, all the schedules get pushed later, but nevertheless, it will be specified in the RE17 timeframe. And there's also another one which I want to comment, is that in the last uh, RAM plenary, which just happened last week, and there was also further enhancement on extending the unlicensed operation into the controlled environment uh, in, in the FR1, like five or six gigahertz, where we basically will make sure that the unlicensed operations for the controlled environment, for example, for the industrial IoT, have a better enhancements. So Dr. Zhang, help me understand how all of these parts are gonna fit together over time. We've got unlicensed as a big opportunity for operators to add additional capacity as they transition and scale 5G. We've got opportunities for industrial and enterprise players to use unlicensed to take control of their connectivity through private networking and so forth. But how do we know when, when the, the sum is more than the parts and that all this technology has indeed changed the world? What do you look for? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, so probably as some of the things which we mentioned before, yeah, so when with the never ending uh, the user demand and also more and more vertical applications, right? So there, uh, the you with the license assisted NRU mode. So yeah, and also, as you mentioned, it allows the licensed uh, operators to get more data offloading and then alleviate the spectrum constraint. And for the private owners, they can deploy 5G system and, and engage lots of 5G uh, advanced features to, uh, to achieve the use case of what they have in mind. So for example, industrial IoT. So putting all those uh, things, uh, things together, 
So we would say that, okay, mm, so for example, I could imagine that as a 5G is getting more and more uh, penetrating, so one thing is uh, for the future factory, which we could imagine that uh, with a big wide band spectrum available in an unlicensed band, so we could be able to replace the wire uh, operation with uh, the wireless operation. So that will offer the great flexibility of the in, uh, future in industry where people can have a better factory reconfiguration and the machine mobility and operational agility. So that's kind of one uh, example areas which I can imagine that how 5G changed the world, right? So you can imagine that in the future when you go to a factory or maybe at, uh, and also with the 60 gigahertz that you go to data center or maybe at home, so you can get rid of lots of those wire cables. And then that allows people a great flexibility and by using the, all the wireless connection. Well, Dr. Zhang, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your perspective. Tell us about the work that you and your colleagues are doing at Qualcomm and answer the question the 5G change the world. Uh, thank you. G Change the World is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kenny. Thanks for listening.